0: Section 9 of the letters of mark twain complete this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by james k white the letters of mark twain complete by mark twain volume 2 chapter 8 letters 1867 to 68 washington and san francisco the proposed book of travel a new lecture from mark twain's home letters we get several important sidelights on this first famous book we learn for instance that it was he who drafted the ship address to the emperor the opening lines of which became so wearisome when repeated by the sailors furthermore we learn something of the scope and extent of his newspaper correspondence which must have kept him furiously busy, done as it was in the midst of superheated and continuous sightseeing. He wrote fifty-three letters to the Alta California, six to the New York Tribune, and at least two to the New York Herald, more than sixty all told, of an average length of three to four thousand words each. Mark Twain always claimed to be a lazy man, and certainly he was likely to avoid an undertaking not suited to his gifts— but he had energy in abundance for work in his chosen field. To have piled up a correspondence of that size in the time, and under the circumstances already noted, quality considered may be counted a record in the history of travel letters. They made him famous. Arriving in New York, November 19, 1867, Mark Twain found himself no longer unknown to the metropolis or to any portion of America papers east and west had copied his alta and tribune letters and carried his name into every corner of the states and territories he had preached a new gospel in travel literature the gospel of frankness and sincerity that americans could understand also his literary powers had awakened at last his work was no longer trivial crude and showy it was full of dignity beauty and power his humor was finer worthier the difference in quality between the quaker city letters and those written from the sandwich islands only a year before can scarcely be measured he did not remain in new york but went down to washington where he had arranged for a private secretaryship with senator william m stuart the bill stuart mentioned in the preceding chapter whom he had known in nevada such a position he believed would make but little demand upon his time and would afford him an insight into washington life which he could make valuable in the shape of newspaper correspondence but fate had other plans for him he presently received the following letter from elijah bliss jr in hartford office of the american publishing company hartford connecticut november twenty one eighteen sixty seven samuel l clemens esq tribune office new york dear sir We take the liberty to address you this in place of a letter which we had recently written, and was about to forward to you, not knowing your arrival home was expected so soon. We are desirous of obtaining from you a work of some kind, perhaps compiled from your letters from the East, etc., with such interesting additions as may be proper. We are the publishers of A. D. Richardson's works. AND FLATTER OURSELVES THAT WE CAN GIVE AN AUTHOR AS FAVORABLE TERMS AND DO AS FULL JUSTICE TO HIS PRODUCTIONS AS ANY OTHER HOUSE IN THE COUNTRY. WE ARE PERHAPS THE OLDEST SUBSCRIPTION HOUSE IN THE COUNTRY, AND HAVE NEVER FAILED TO GIVE A BOOK AN IMMENSE CIRCULATION. WE SOLD ABOUT 100,000 COPIES OF RICHARDSON'S F.D. & E. FIELD, DUNGEON, AND ESCAPE, AND ARE NOW PRINTING 41,000 OF BEYOND THE MISSISSIPPI AND LARGE ORDERS AHEAD if you have any thought of writing a book or could be induced to do so we should be pleased to see you and will do so will you do us the favor to reply at once at your earliest convenience very truly etc e bliss jr secretary clemens had already the idea of a book in mind and welcomed this proposition to elijah bliss jr in hartford washington December 2, 1867 E. Bliss Jr. Esq. Secretary, American Publishing Company Dear Sir I only received your favor of November 21st last night at the rooms of the Tribune bureau here it was forwarded from the Tribune office New York where it had lain 8 or 10 days this will be a sufficient apology for the seeming discourtesy of my silence i wrote fifty two three letters for the san francisco alta california during the quaker city excursion about half of which number have been printed thus far the alta has few exchanges in the east and i suppose scarcely any of these letters have been copied on this side of the Rocky mountains i could weed them of their chief faults of construction and inelegancies of expression and make a volume that would be more acceptable in many respects than any i could now write when those letters were written my impressions were fresh but now they have lost that freshness they were warm then they are cold now i could strike out certain letters and write new ones wherewith to supply their places if you think such a book would suit your purpose please drop me a line specifying the size and general style of the volume when the matter ought to be ready whether it should have pictures in it or not and particularly what your terms with me would be and what amount of money i might possibly make out of it the latter clause has a degree of importance for me which is almost beyond my own comprehension but you understand that of course i have other propositions for a book but have doubted the propriety of interfering with good newspaper engagements except my way as an author could be demonstrated to be plain before me but i know richardson and learned from him some months ago something of an idea of the subscription plan of publishing if that is your plan invariably it looks safe i am on the new york tribune staff here as an occasioner among other things and a note from you addressed to very truly etc sam l clemens new york tribune bureau washington will find me without fail the exchange of these two letters marked the beginning of one of the most notable publishing connections in american literary history the book however was not begun immediately bliss was in poor health and final arrangements were delayed it was not until late in january that clemens went to hartford and concluded the arrangement meantime fate had disclosed another matter of even greater importance we get the first hint of it in the following letter though to him its beginning had been earlier on a day in the blue harbour of smyrna when young charles langdon a fellow-passenger on the Quaker City, had shown to Mark Twain a miniature of young Langdon's sister at home. To Mrs. Jane Clemens and Mrs. Moffat, in St. Louis, 224 F Street, Washington, January eighth, 1868. My dear mother and sister, and so the old Major has been there, has he? I would like mighty well to see him. I was a sort of benefactor to him once. I helped to snatch him out when he was about to ride into a Mohammedan mosque in that queer old Moorish town of Tangier in Africa. If he had got in, the Moors would have knocked his venerable old head off for his temerity. I have just arrived from New York been there ever since christmas staying at the house of dan sloat my quaker city roommate and having a splendid time Charlie langdon jack van nostron dan and i all quaker city nighthawks had a blowout at dan's house and a lively talk over old times we went through the holy land together and i just laughed till my sides ached at some of our reminiscences it was the unholiest gang that ever cavorted through Palestine, but those are the best boys in the world. We needed molten badly. I started to make calls New Year's Day, but I anchored for the day at the first house I came to. Charlie Langdon's sister was there, beautiful girl, and Miss Alice Hooker, another beautiful girl, a niece of Henry Ward Beecher's. We sent the old folks home early, with instructions not to send the carriage till midnight, and then I just stayed there and worried the life out of those girls. I'm going to spend a few days with the Langdons in Elmira, New York, as soon as I get time, and a few days with Mrs. Hooker's in Hartford, Connecticut, shortly. Henry Ward Beecher sent for me last Sunday to come over and dine. He lives in Brooklyn, you know. And I went. Harriet Beecher Stowe was there, and Mrs. and Miss Beecher, Mrs. Hooker, and my old Quaker City favorite, Emma Beach. We had a very gay time, if it was Sunday. I expect I told more lies than I have told before in a month. I went back by invitation, after the evening service, and finished the blowout, and then stayed all night at Mr. Beecher's. Henry Ward is a brick. I found out at 10 o'clock last night that I was to lecture tomorrow evening, and so you must be aware that I have been working like sin all night to get a lecture written. I have finished it. I call it Frozen Truth. It is a little top-heavy, though, because there is more truth in the title than there is in the lecture. But thunder I mustn't sit here writing all day, with so much business before me. Good-bye and kind regards to all yours affectionately sam l clemens jack van nostrand of this letter is jack of the innocents emma beach was the daughter of moses s beach of the new york sun later she became the wife of the well-known painter abbott h thayer we do not hear of miss langdon again in the letters of that time but it was not because she was absent from his thoughts he had first seen her with her father and brother at the old st nicholas hotel on lower broadway where soon after the arrival of the quaker city in new york he had been invited to dine long afterward he said it is forty years ago from that day to this she has never been out of my mind from his next letter we learn of the lecture which apparently was delivered in washington to mrs jane clemens and mrs moffett in st louis washington january 9 1868 my dear mother and sister that infernal lecture is over thank heaven it came near being a villainous failure it was not advertised at all the manager was taken sick yesterday and the man who was sent to tell me never got to me till afternoon today There was the Dickens to pay. It was too late to do anything, too late to stop the lecture. I scared up a doorkeeper, and was ready at the proper time, and by pure good luck a tolerably good house assembled, and I was saved. I hardly knew what I was going to talk about, but it went off in splendid style. I was to have preached again Saturday night, but I won't. I can't get along without a manager. I have been in New York ever since Christmas, you know, and now I shall have to work like sin to catch up my correspondence. And I have got to get up that book, too. Cut my letters out of the altars and send them to me in an envelope. Some here that are not mailed yet I shall have to copy, I suppose. I have got a thousand things to do and am not doing any of them. I feel perfectly savage. Good-bye, yours affectionately, Sam. On the whole, matters were going well with him. His next letter is full of his success, overflowing with the boyish radiance which he never quite outgrew. To Mrs. Jane Clemens and Mrs. Moffat, in St. Louis, Hartford, Connecticut, January twenty fourth, 68 dear mother and sister this is a good week for me i stopped in the herald office as i came through new york to see the boys on the staff and young james gordon bennett asked me to write twice a week impersonally for the herald and said if i would i might have full swing and write about anybody and everybody i wanted to i said i must have the very fullest possible swing and he said all right I said it's a contract, and that settled that matter. I'll make it a point to write one letter a week anyhow. But the best thing that has happened was here. This great American publishing company kept on trying to bargain with me for a book till I thought I would cut the matter short by coming up for a talk. I met Rev. Henry Ward Beecher in Brooklyn and with his usual whole-souled way of dropping his own work to give other people a lift when he gets a chance he said now here you are one of the talented men of the age nobody is going to deny that but in matters of business i don't suppose you know more than enough to come in when it rains i'll tell you what to do and how to do it and he did and i listened well and then came up here and made a splendid contract for a Quaker City book of five or six hundred large pages with illustrations, the manuscript to be placed in the publisher's hands by the middle of July. My percentage is to be a fifth more than they have ever paid any author except Horace Greeley. Beecher will be surprised, I guess, when he hears this. But I had my mind made up to one thing. I wasn't going to touch a book unless there was money in it and a good deal of it i told them so i had the misfortune to bust out one author standing they had his manuscript with the understanding that they would publish his book if they could not get a book from me they only published two books at a time and so my book and richardson's life of grant will fill the bill for next fall and winter so that manuscript was sent back to its author today These publishers get off the most tremendous editions of their books you can imagine. I shall write to the Enterprise and Altar every week as usual, I guess, and to the Herald twice a week, occasionally to the Tribune and the magazines. I have a stupid article in the Galaxy just issued. But I am not going to write to this, that, and the other paper any more. The Chicago Tribune wants letters but i hope and pray i have charged them so much that they will not close the contract i am gradually getting out of debt but these trips to new york do cost like sin i hope you have cut out and forwarded my printed letters to washington please continue to do so as they arrive i have had a tip-top time here for a few days guest of mr john hooker's family beecher's relatives in a general way of miss bliss also who is head of the publishing firm. Puritans are mighty straight-laced, and they won't let me smoke in the parlor, but the Almighty don't make any better people. Love to all. Good-bye. I shall be in New York three days, then go on to the Capitol. Yours affectionately, especially Ma. Your Sam. I have to make a speech at the annual Herald dinner on the 6th of May. No formal contract for the book had been made when this letter was written. A verbal agreement between Bliss and Clemens had been reached, to be ratified by an exchange of letters in the near future. Bliss had made two propositions, viz., $10,000 cash in hand or a 5% royalty on the selling price of the book. The cash sum offered looked very large to Mark Twain, and he was sorely tempted to accept it. He had faith, however, in the book, and in bliss's ability to sell it he agreed therefore to the royalty proposition the best business judgment i ever displayed he often declared in after years five percent royalty sounds rather small in these days of more liberal contracts but the american publishing company sold its books only by subscription and the agents commissions and delivery expenses ate heavily into the profits Clemens was probably correct in saying that his percentage was larger than had been paid to any previous author except Horace Greeley. The John Hooker mentioned was the husband of Henry Ward Beecher's sister, Isabel. It was easy to understand the Beecher family's robust appreciation of Mark Twain. From the office of Dan Sloat, his roommate of the Quaker City, Dan of the Innocents, Clemens wrote his letter that closed the agreement with bliss to elijah bliss junior in hartford office of sloat and woodman blank book manufacturers numbers 119 through 121 william street new york january 27 1868 mr e bliss junior secretary of american publishing company hartford connecticut dear sir your favor of january twenty-fifth is received and in reply i will say that i accede to your several propositions viz that i furnish to the american publishing company through you with manuscripts sufficient for a volume of five hundred to six hundred pages the subject to be the quaker city the voyage description of places etc and also embodying the substance of the letters written by me during that trip said manuscripts to be ready about the first of august next i to give all the usual and necessary attention in preparing said manuscripts for the press and in preparation of illustrations in correction of proofs no use to be made by me of the material for this work in any way which will conflict with its interest the book to be sold by the american publishing company by subscription and, for said manuscript and labor on my part, said company to pay me a copyright of five per cent upon the subscription price of the book for all copies sold. As further proposed by you, this understanding, herein set forth, shall be considered a binding contract upon all parties concerned, all minor details to be arranged between us hereafter. Very truly yours, Sam L. Clemens private, and general. I was to have gone to Washington tonight, but have held over a day to attend a dinner given by a lot of newspaper editors and literary scallywags at the Westminster Hotel. Shall go down tomorrow if I survive the banquet. Yours truly, Sam Clemens. Mark Twain in Washington was in line for political preferment, his wide acquaintance on the Pacific Slope, his new fame and growing popularity, his powerful and dreaded pen, all gave him special distinction at the capital. From time to time the offer of one office or another tempted him, but he wisely or luckily resisted. In his letters home are presented some of his problems. To Mrs. Jane Clemens and Mrs. Moffat, in St. Louis 224 F Street, Washington, February 6, 1868 My dear mother and sister, For two months there have been some fifty applications before the government for the postmastership of San Francisco, which is the heaviest concentration of political power on the coast and consequently is a post which is much coveted. When I found that a personal friend of mine, the chief editor of the Alta, was an applicant, I said I didn't want it. I would not take $10,000 a year out of a friend's pocket. The two months have passed. I heard day before yesterday that a new and almost unknown candidate had suddenly turned up on the inside track, and was to be appointed at once. I didn't like that, and went after his case in a fine passion. I hunted up all our Senators and Representatives and found that his name was actually to come from the President early in the morning. Then Judge Field said if I wanted the place he could pledge me the President's appointment, and Senator Connis said he would guarantee me the Senate's confirmation. It was a great temptation, but it would render it impossible to fill my book contract, and I had to drop the idea." I have to spend August and September in Hartford, which is in San Francisco. Mr. Conness offers me any choice out of five influential California offices. Now some day or other I shall want an office, and then, just my luck, I can't get it, I suppose. They want to send me abroad, as a consul or minister. I said I didn't want any of the pie. God knows I am mean enough and lazy enough now without being a foreign consul. Sometime in the course of the present century, I think they will create a commissioner of patents, and then I hope to get a berth for Orion. I published six or seven letters in the Tribune while I was gone. Now I cannot get them. I suppose I must have them copied. Love to all, Sam. Orion Clemens was once more a candidate for office, Nevada had become a state, with regularly elected officials, and Orion had somehow missed being chosen. His day of authority had passed, and the law having failed to support him, he was again back at his old occupation, setting type in St. Louis. He was, as ever, full of dreams and inventions that would some day lead to fortune, With the gift of the seller's imagination, inherited by all the family, he lacked the driving power which means achievement. More and more, as the years went by, he would lean upon his brother for moral and physical support. The chances for him in Washington do not appear to have been bright. The political situation under Andrew Johnson was not a happy one. To Orion Clemens in St. Louis two two four f street washington february twenty one eighteen sixty eight my dear brother i am glad you do not want the clerkship for that patent office is in such a muddle that there would be no security for the permanency of a place in it the same remark will apply to all offices here now and no doubt will till the close of the present administration any man who holds a place here now stands prepared at all times to vacate it you are doing now exactly what i wanted you to do a year ago we chase phantoms half the days of our lives it is well if we learn wisdom even then and save the other half i am in for it i must go on chasing them until i marry then i am done with literature and all other bosh that is literature wherewith to please the general public i shall write to please myself then i hope you will set type till you complete that invention for surely government pap must be nauseating food for a man a man whom god has enabled to saw wood and be independent it really seemed to me a falling from grace the idea of going back to san francisco nothing better than a mere postmaster albeit the public would have thought i came with gilded honors and in great glory i only retain correspondence enough now to make a living for myself and have discarded all else so that i may have time to spare for the book drat the thing i wish it were done or that i had no other writing to do this is the place to get a poor opinion of everybody in there isn't one man in washington in civil office who has the brains of anson burlingame and i suppose if china had not seized and saved his great talents to the world this government would have discarded him when his time was up there are more pitiful intellects in this congress oh jiminy there are few of them that i find pleasant enough company to visit I am most infernally tired of Washington and its attractions. To be busy is a man's only happiness, and I am, otherwise I should die. Yours Affectionately, Sam The secretarial position with Senator Stewart was short-lived. One cannot imagine Mark Twain as anybody's secretary, and doubtless there was little to be gained on either side by the arrangement. They parted without friction, though in later years, when Stuart had become old and irascible, he used to recount a list of grievances and declare that he had been obliged to threaten violence in order to bring Mark to terms. But this was because the author of roughing it had, in that book, taken liberties with the Senator, to the extent of an anecdote and portrait which, though certainly harmless enough, had for some reason given deep offence. Mark Twain really had no time for secretary work. For one thing, he was associated with John Swinton in supplying a Washington letter to a list of newspapers, and then he was busy collecting his Quaker City letters and preparing the copy for his book. Matters were going well enough when trouble developed from an unexpected quarter. The Alta California had copyrighted the letters and proposed to issue them in book form. There had been no contract which would prevent this, and the correspondence which Clemens undertook with the Alta management led to nothing. He knew that he had powerful friends among the owners, if he could reach them personally, and he presently concluded to return to San Francisco, make what arrangements he could, and finish his book there. It was his fashion to be prompt. In his next letter we find him already on the way to mrs jane clemens and family in st louis at sea sunday march 15 latitude 25 1868 dear folks i have nothing to write except that i am well that the weather is fearfully hot that the henry chauncey is a magnificent ship that we have twelve hundred passengers on board that I have two state rooms and so am not crowded that I have many pleasant friends here and the people are not so stupid as on the Quaker City that we had divine service in the main saloon at ten thirty this morning that we expect to meet the upward-bound vessel in latitude twenty three and this is why I am writing now we shall reach Aspinwall thursday morning at six o'clock and san francisco less than two weeks later i worry a great deal about being obliged to go without seeing you all but it could not be helped dan sloat my splendid roommate in the quaker city and the noblest man on earth will call to see you within a month make him dine with you and spend the evening his house is my home always in new york yours affectionately sam the san francisco trip proved successful once on the ground clemens had little difficulty in convincing the alta publishers that they had received full value in the newspaper use of the letters and that the book rights remained with the author a letter to bliss conveys the situation to elijah bliss jr in hartford san francisco may 5 68 e bliss jr esq dear sir the altar people after some hesitation have given me permission to use my printed letters and have ceased to think of publishing themselves in book form i am steadily at work and shall start east with the completed manuscript about the middle of june i lectured here on the trip the other night over sixteen hundred dollars in gold in the house every seat taken and paid for before night yours truly mark twain but he did not sail in june his friends persuaded him to cover his lecture circuit of two years before telling the story of his travels this he did with considerable profit, being everywhere received with great honors. He ended this tour with a second lecture in San Francisco, announced in a droll and characteristic fashion which delighted his Pacific admirers, and insured him a crowded house. See Mark Twain, A Biography, Chapter 46, and Appendix H. His agreement had been to deliver his manuscript about August 1st, returning by the chauncy july twenty eighth he was two days later in hartford and had placed the copy for the new book in bliss's hands it was by no means a compilation of his newspaper letters his literary vision was steadily broadening all of the letters had been radically edited some had been rewritten some entirely eliminated he probably thought very well of the book an opinion shared by bliss but it is unlikely that either of them realized that it was to become a permanent classic and the best-selling book of travel for at least fifty years. End of section 9. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.